You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Hello and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast with a host who gives you live video updates from the meets. I am that host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. First, let's set the stage with the previous week's rankings. Now, this weekend's action is going to make a few changes, but it's important to understand how things began. In first place is, of course, Auburn. The undefeated Tigers hold uh, or held four quality wins over its SEC opponents. Next is a pair of teams with at least one loss to a quality foe, but multiple quality wins. Georgia was at number two and Texas A&M was at number three. Baylor leads the Big 12 with a quality win over TCU and sits at number four. TCU has two quality wins, but they sit at number five because, again, they did lose to Baylor. South Carolina has a quality win over Georgia, and uh, that's about all they have, so they're ranked at number six. Uh, With no quality wins, SMU sits at number seven. Fresno State sits at number eight with a close road win over UC Davis. Oklahoma State sits at number nine after their big loss to TCU, and South Dakota State takes the number 10 spot after narrowly beating UT Martin. But some of those rankings are going to change a little bit because we have some more meets to talk about. Now, Auburn hosted their SEC rival Georgia on Saturday. And you'll recall that when Auburn visited Georgia in November, the Tigers escaped with a narrow one-point victory against the Bulldogs. Now, some of that was due to some favorable matchups where lower Georgia riders were sacrificed to top Auburn riders, leaving Georgia's top riders to face easier opponents on Auburn's lineups. Well, that happened a little bit, but not really that much um, this time, and the strength and depth of Auburn's team was just on full display. Now, the day started off with a little bit of light drizzle in the air. Uh, That soon cleared out, the temperatures warmed on up, and the day became a wonderful, pleasant Auburn afternoon. Auburn, of course, entered the meet undefeated, leading the SEC, the country, and holding an historic 38-meet winning streak. Georgia, on the other hand, entered the meet with a loss to Auburn, and South Carolina, but has since gotten revenge on the Gamecocks and was looking to do the same against Auburn. Now, because of the wet weather that we had the day before, um, the low-lying flat ring that is out there uh, could not be used. It doesn't drain as well as the uh, higher-up ring where we typically do fences. So what we did was we started off with fences because it's quicker to break all that down than it is to set it up. So you start out with that set set up, and then you can break it down real quick and hold the flat right there on that same spot. Typically, if it was all dry, we would have had those in two different locations and it would we'd probably run the flat first, but that's the way you do it when, you know, you've got some weather issues. So, now I mentioned over in November that Georgia took three of the fences points um, after Auburn's two top riders got matched against Georgia's number four and number five riders. Well, that almost happened again this Saturday, uh, but Auburn's three through five riders really stepped up and rode well. Uh, Langmire got a tie against Georgia's Reed, which was a bit unexpected. We kind of expected, uh, Michaela to get that point, but she didn't. 
St. Jock beat uh, Bretch over on Georgia, and uh, she actually, uh, Taylor St. Jock remained uh, perfect for the season. Ava Stearns defeated Reachow, as expected, because she's a better rider. But the biggest rides in this event have to go to Emma Kurtz and Megan Napick, who defeated Georgia's Allie Trichler and Haley uh, Mariano. These two Auburn ladies changed this event from being what was probably going to be a 2-2 tie into a 4 nothing route. Uh, now, also, I want to note that Georgia's uh, Jordan Turing and Rachel McMullen did not ride Saturday, which is unusual. Their presence uh, would have probably shifted the points around a little bit in fences and later on on the flat. So, interesting that they weren't there. Now, while fences were going on, horsemanship had also taken to the ring in the covered ring over next door. Uh, another top Georgia rider was mysteriously missing. Taylor Burgess did not compete Saturday. Uh, that left a very favorable set of matchups for Auburn to go against. Deanna Green beat Georgia's Gill. Olivia Tordoff easily defeated Mullen. Uh, Madison Pardon got her first career win against Georgia's Anderson. And Taylor Searles defeated Georgia's Dirks. Auburn's Maddie Spack drew a really tough assignment Saturday going up against Georgia's top uh, starting horsemanship rider in Sarah Lewis. Uh, but Maddie only lost by a half point, so even that ride was very close. So we're seeing that if you show up against Auburn and some of your riders are off sick or whatever, then you really have no chance because at halftime, Auburn had a 8-1 to one lead and really only needed two more points to take the whole victory. So then the action went over to the flat. And here again, Auburn's two top riders got matched against some lower-performing Georgia riders. Ideally, what you'd want to see is one R1 versus their one, R2 versus their two. You know, but of course, it's all random, so you're never probably going to get that. But still, it was a little weird how our top riders kept going uh, to these lower riders, and then that gave them a little bit better matchup. So, uh, let's see. Langmire and St. Jock uh, got matched against Bresch and Mariano, and they combined for zero flat wins so far. So, Auburn took those two points easily. Uh, Ava Stearns got matched against Georgia's number two flat rider, Trichler, and got a no-point tie, so that was good. Good for uh, Ava there. Uh, and then Ellie Ferrigno got matched against Georgia's top flat rider, Isabel Heckler. And that point went to Georgia, which you kind of would expect that's going to happen. Uh, and then in the final matchup, uh, Emma Kurtz went against Nora Andrews. And Emma did not have a great ride, and so she kind of got upset. We, we expected Emma to probably take that, but the Georgia freshman got that one. So, mm. oh well. Uh, but that me meant that each team would take two points out of the flat, and that gave Auburn 10, so Auburn had the victory at this point. Now, raining had already started, so the action sort of turns over there, and we'll see what's going on. Uh, Boo Kammerer continued her undefeated and near-perfect campaign this year uh, by defeating Jordan Carpenter, and Isabella Tessimer got a nice upset over Georgia's Courtney Bloomer. And then every other ride resulted in no-point ties. Three ties in a single event is very unusual, but one notable one here was that uh, Deanna Green got a tie against Georgia Guin. Uh, that was nice for us because Guin is their top rider, so just preventing her from getting a point is really good for us. So, good job. Now, Georgia was also missing another rider here, Addie uh, Coulomb. She is about their second best reigning rider, so not having her in the lineup was very tough for them. Uh, in fact, uh, Georgia's coach, uh, Megan Bonig, uh, kind of alluded to their shorthanded performance in her post-meet comments. She said, uh, quote, The score is not reflective of the strength we saw today, and we absolutely left here wanting more, end quote. And that's kind of coach speak for, we didn't have all our best riders. 
Uh, so whatever kept all you Georgia riders from competing, you got to better get it together. Because if you don't get serious about all the stuff that, you know, affects you uh, outside of competing, well, then, you know, you're going to get embarrassed with this kind of a lineup against Auburn. And I guess I also want to say to the Auburn riders who may be listening, y'all need to stay serious. Uh, keep taking all the necessary precautions and stay safe. Because if we were to go out there missing three or four top riders, it would really cost us some points. Uh, you know, this season is unusual. It not only requires you ladies to be the best riders in the country, but you also got to be the most dedicated outside the ring as well. And I don't think any of us want to lose because of some lapses in some personal judgment or anything like that. Not when you're this this close to another historic season. So with the win Saturday, Auburn has earned five SEC wins and no losses. This means that even if by some miracle Auburn's next opponent, South Carolina, were to upset Auburn in two weeks, the Tigers would still finish the SEC regular season as the number one seed for the SEC tournament. So good job. We're going to take a quick break from this episode for a special announcement. One of the things that we take great pride here at the E2C Network are our listeners are really our E2C Network family. Now, I know they enjoy listening to us, but let's be honest. Every once in a while, they probably would like a little bit of change of pace. Well, that's where you come in if you're a business owner. If you have any interest in partnering with us in terms of ads or sponsorships on our podcast episodes, you can reach us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com. Let us help you reach the widest variety of Auburn fans out there. I mean, come on. Who else listens to a network where they cover everything from Auburn football to The Bachelor and the connections it has with Auburn? Utilize our podcasts, Facebook live shows, and other flexible partnership opportunities that are available upon request. Let us help you reach the E2C Network family and the Auburn family at large on how you might best be able to serve them. Reach out to us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com for more information. That's all we have for you in this special message. Let's get back into the episode. Now, let's step back a bit in time and and talk about other action that was going on around the country. On Thursday, UC Davis visited Fresno State. Now, you recall how these two teams went down to the wire in the first meeting three weeks ago. Well, this time the Bulldogs regularly outrode the Aggies all day. And um, when I say all day, I mean it. (laughs) This was another marathon meet that lasted over four hours. They really have no sense of urgency out west over there, and it shows. But as far as how the actual meet went, uh, most of those matchups went as expected. Uh, You could tell who the better rider was probably going to be. And then there were about a third of the the matchups that were going to be toss-ups. Well, it turned out that Fresno State took most of those toss-ups. Now, in fences... um, UC Davis did win that one three to two. Uh, Ella Longo got an upset over Cicely Hayes, so that was probably the notable ride there in that event. But then the other three events, you know, flat reigning and horsemanship, they all went to the Bulldogs. Uh, Fresno State won flat three to one. They won horsemanship four to one, and then they won reigning three to two. Uh, also, all four of the most outstanding performance awards went to Fresno State riders. Uh, with uh, Anna uh, Bertozzi getting fences and the flat MOP. So she got two MOPs in the same day. She's she's their version of Taylor St. Jock. And then Paley uh, Capici got reigning MOP and Alexis Steele uh, getting horsemanship MOP. Uh, now Fresno State is scheduled to take up Big 12 action next week. So they're going to end up facing a lot tougher competition than just UC Davis every week like they've been doing. 
So now let's jump on over to Friday, where Delaware State, Minnesota Crookston, and South Dakota State all competed against one another in a big old tri meet. Now these meets were a little hard to handicap with so few uh, of them riding in previous meets so far and just not having much data to look at. But in that first meet, South Dakota State started off the day um, in a close meet with Delaware State. This one was tied 5-5 at the half with the Hornets uh, winning Fences 3-2 and the Jackrabbits winning Raining 3-2. Now in the second half, uh, South Dakota State won Horsemanship 3-1 and then finished strong on the flat winning that one 3-2. So that gave them a very nice 11-8 win over a Delaware State team that I actually had at number 10 in my initial rankings this year. So I think Delaware State's still going to be a strong team, but um, dang, you know, South Dakota State, this is their year. They are doing well. So after that, uh, Delaware State rode a Western-only meet against Minnesota Crookston. Now the Hornets won reigning 3-1, and then they swept horsemanship 4-0 for a big 7-1 victory overall. Uh, and then on Saturday, they had the last part of that tri-meet, um, where the homestanding Jackrabbits had their turn against the Golden Eagles. Uh, the team split horsemanship 2-2, and then South Dakota State won reigning 4 to nothing. So this was just a big weekend for the Jackrabbits. Like I said uh, in the past, I've mentioned how it had been over two years since they had gotten their last win in a non-scrimmage meet. And then, you know, they beat UT, UT Martin earlier this year, and now they have another win. So they're on a winning streak here. Um, they're actually now going to be off until the end of the month when they're going to get ready for the uh, ECAC tournament and uh, that's about a month from now, and they're probably going to be the number one seed in that, so we'll see how they do there. In jumping seat only action, Sweetbriar hosted uh, NCEA newcomer Wilson College. You might recall that the Vixens took a handful of points from Georgia a few weeks back, so they figured to be a tough test for the Phoenixes, and they were. <laughs> Sweetbriar won fences 3-1 and then swept the flat 4 to nothing. So b- uh, both of the MOP awards also went to uh, Sweetbriar. Katie Balding got one, and uh, she actually rode real well against uh, Georgia. Uh, she got the uh, MOP here on fences, and then uh, Emmy Longus got uh, the uh, MOP on the flat, and she also had a good ride against Georgia as well. So both these girls are good, and uh, you know we'll have to watch out for them. Now, let's talk about... Another meet that was going on about the same time as the Auburn-Georgia meet. Now, I couldn't really follow this one along because I was spending all my time making videos at the Auburn meet. But, uh, I, you know, I checked in on my phone to see how it's going. It was very close. Um, Texas A&M needed this win just to keep up with Georgia in the SEC standings. And the Gamecocks needed it to, uh, if they wanted any chance, to avoid facing Auburn in the first round of the SEC tournaments. Well, the Aggies, when they played over in College Station, they won that meet um, 13-7, so a pretty good win. But when you go on the road, it's a lot tougher, particularly this year. So we'll see how this worked. Now, the day started off in raining with South Carolina winning that 3-2. Their top three, uh, uh, Cromer, Lane, and Voigt all won, and then A&M's Bricker and Mason uh, got their points. So that's how that one went down. Next up was the flat. South Carolina's top two flat riders are Hammerschmidt and Columbia. They got their points. And then the rest all went to A&M with Dance, Selman, and uh, Thomas getting those. So at the half, the score was tied 5-5. to One team got 3-2 to in one event, and the other team got 2-3 to in the other. 
So next up was horsemanship, and this is where A&M made their move. Uh, A&M's Mackenzie Chapman tied her former teammate, uh, Camille McGrath. Now, that's that girl I've been talking to you about. She used to be over at Texas A&M. Her mom is an assistant coach over at South Carolina, and so she's transferred over there. She's riding for them now. Well, uh, she actually got a point from A&M in their first meeting. Well, here she gets a tie, and that'll actually become important later. Uh, and then the Aggies took three more points with Riddle, Crenweld, and Petak getting points. And then Sloan and Voigt were the only scoring Gamecocks in this event. So here on Fences is where uh, South Carolina was going to try to make their big comeback. Now to do that, they were going to need their top four riders to all win their points. And that would be Schaefer, Hammerschmidt, Suffy, and Cass. Well, three of them took their points, but... Trinity Hammerschmidt got matched up against a red-hot Haley Redford, who won her point and actually had the MOP ride. Uh, also, A&M's Ortiz took her point, which gave A&M the 9-10 win overall. So, if one of those rides had gone the other way, or if that other tie that we had had not been a tie, if it had gone toward South Carolina, it would have been a 10-10 tie and gone to the tiebreaker. In fact, South Carolina probably would have won because the Aggies actually had a zero on one of their rides, and so that would have made the uh, overall raw score total tip in favor of the Gamecocks. But that did not happen, so there you go. Aggies get the win. So that win, what that's going to do is that puts A&M in a tie with Georgia for second place in the SEC, and those two teams will face off this Saturday, and they will break that tie. Although it won't really matter because the number two team and the number three team will turn right around and face each other in the first round of the SEC tournament three weeks later. So it doesn't really matter who's number two and number three. And um, I was looking to have some other meets to recap for you, but just about everybody in the Big 12 that was not Fresno State postponed or canceled their meets this week. I guess they're still getting back together after the ice storms and all that. So we don't really have anything to talk about to, uh, with them. But even without them, there are still the rankings to go over. Now, last week, I had that interview with NCA Executive Director Dr. Leah Fiorentino, and she told us about the, the this year they're going to have that dedicated national championship for the jump and seat only teams. So, since they have their own championship, let's rank those teams. At number one, we have the Sweetbriar Vixens. The Vixens have a win over Wilson College and a 3-7 to loss to Georgia, which is the best resume among jumping seat only teams. At number two, we have the Lynchburg Hornets. The Hornets lost 1-9 at South Carolina earlier in the year, but at least they scored something. At number three, we have the Wilson College Phoenixes. Wilson is a new team, and although they only took a point from Sweetbriar this week, at least they are in competition now. And at number four, we have the SUNY New Paltz Hawks. I think the Hawks have a meet or two that was going to be scheduled earlier in the season that got canceled, so we didn't get a chance to see them ride yet. Um, but they do have a ride coming up against UT Martin in two weeks, and we will get a look at them. So for right now, they're at number four. Now, on to the big rankings. These are the dual discipline teams. These are all the, the big boys. So at number one is that team you love, the Auburn Tigers. They are now 5-0 and and beating teams with impunity. Staying up at number two is the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, I want to stress here that no team is ever going to get penalized for losing to Auburn until somebody can actually beat Auburn. Now, Georgia is still tied for second in the SEC, and their victory over A&M gives them the slight edge in the rankings here. 
Now, Texas A&M is going to stay put at number three. I was very tempted to move A&M above Georgia on their strength of schedule with their non-conference win over Baylor, but back when Georgia A&M and South Carolina were all tied with one another, you know, beating each other and losing to each other, that Baylor win, I had A&M above everybody when that was going on. But South Carolina's most recent losses have broken that circular argument that they had with Georgia and Texas A&M, and so now that kind of pushes Georgia just a little bit ahead of the Aggies. Now, the next few spots are kind of unchanged as well. Baylor is going to remain at number four and above TCU for the same reason that I have Georgia above Texas A&M. The Bears beat the Horned Frogs head-to-head, and that gives them the slight edge, even though TCU has more quality wins than Baylor does right now. So, at number five is TCU. As I explained, the Frogs have a good resume, but I have to respect that Baylor proved they were better than TCU so far this season. At number six is South Carolina. The Gamecocks are barely ahead of the next group of teams, but they did beat Georgia that one time, and none of the teams below them have a win as impressive as that. So at number seven is Fresno State. Now the Bulldogs have moved up a spot in the rankings. They have twice demonstrated that they are better than UC Davis, but in order to rise any further, they're going to have to go out and beat somebody else. Now at number eight is SMU. The Mustangs have uh, long ago a couple of victories over UT Martin and South Dakota State, uh, the latter of which is actually looking better and better each week. Now, speaking of which, South Dakota State rises up to number nine in the rankings this week after their victory over Delaware State. Now, at number 10 is Oklahoma State. They have dropped another position here because they are not riding, and the only meet that they've been in, they lost. The Cowgirls are 0-1, and they are actually only still in the rankings by virtue of there literally being no other teams with a better resume than 0-1. In fact, I actually considered putting 0-2 UC Davis at number 10, and that should tell you just how much work Oklahoma State needs to do to start earning some respect. And those are the official Auburn Elvis College Equestrian rankings. Now, let's look ahead to next week's action. Around the country, we expect to get a deluge of equestrian action from the Big 12. All those meets that they've been putting off are going to get crammed into a three-week window, y'all. So the next few weeks' podcasts are probably going to be very heavy uh, skewed towards Big 12 action. But that's all right. We'll still have some SEC stuff to talk about. In fact, uh, one of the meets coming up uh, is, like I said, Georgia is going to travel over to Texas A&M, and Auburn is going to host Sweetbriar and Lynchburg this next week. Now, in those matchups, look for Auburn to possibly start a few of the less experienced riders. We are almost certainly going to get the win overall, um, and since these are jump and seat only meets, they don't really count towards our dual discipline records, Um, but they count, they just don't really count. It's kind of weird. Now, from the Vixens, we can expect to see a few good rides from Katie Balding, Britt Larson-Jackson, and Emily Longus. When we face Lynchburg, look for Jackie Needle, Taylor Herzog, or Lori Ohanasison to be their best chances at scoring. Those two teams will also ride against each other while they're there at Auburn, so the result of that could also impact those single discipline rankings that we talked about earlier. Now, before we go, I want to mention that Auburn recognized three of its six seniors on Saturday. And I would like to give a special shout-out to all the Auburn seniors here on the show. With That's uh, Terry June Granger, Deanna Green, Erica Kaczynski, Taylor Searles, Taylor St. Jacques, 
and Helen Ulrich. When these ladies chose to come to Auburn four years ago, they changed the course of college equestrian history. They have helped establish the greatest dynasty in college equestrian, and they have helped build something so outstanding that even casual sports fans who know nothing about equestrian had to stop and take notice of what they're doing. So, on behalf of all the Auburn fans who can't tell a full cheek snaffle from a flying lead change, I thank you very much for what you've given to Auburn. I'm Auburn Elvis, War Eagle, and War Horses. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you? Do you?